five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hey, hey. Love and Rockets, one of the, I think, most underrated bands of all time. You straighten out the hair. Ball of Confusion. You know, I, I played the uh, Temptations version of that a couple times on the show because I just think it's so cool. You know, the dance moves, Eddie Kendricks. But the Love and Don't Sleep on the Love and Rockets version of that song. It's super tight and nervy and kind of borderline industrial you know the sort of the postmodern reuptake of the uh, temptations classic ball of confusion so i've told this story before and i for some of you who are new to the show i always get to tell stories again because sometimes people haven't heard the stories and um i actually hung out with uh, love and rockets one night in la and i was doing an interview with them and we were at this restaurant called Ledoux in LA. I don't know if that restaurant is still there, but man, it was really, really good. And <laughs> so I'm there to interview Love and Rockets. They have this new record out that Rick Rubin had produced. It's called, um, I think, Hot Trip to Heaven or something like that. You know, kind of more of a, a electronic dancey version of Love and Rockets. So hung out with them at dinner. They were actually really interesting guys. Um, although I think one of the Haskins brothers has gone kind of woke. Uh, there was no clear indication that that was happening at the time, but um, they were very cool. And uh, they, they told me a lot of interesting stuff. And uh, one of the things that they, uh, they told me was uh, they, you know, they're, they're into the occult. Imagine that. So they're into tarot and I Ching and they're, you know, they're Neptune and Scorpio. It's our generation. We explored these things, right? We're, we're, we're surfing the psychic seas with Neptune and Scorpio. So um, I think it might've been Kevin or, or no, I think it was David. It was David who told the story. Dave, David J. David Haskins. Anyway, he said that there was a, uh, that they were playing with the I Ching and they asked the I Ching a question um, about like a situation with the band or something. And so, you know, old school, you know, casting the coins and it came up as the uh, youthful folly hexagram in the I Ching. Like, it's like you guys are naive and green. Just stay away from that. Right. Like you're participating in youthful folly. So they decided to do it again to test the I Ching and they got the same damn hexagram again, but the same changing lines. It was like, 
you guys need to pay attention here. And he was, he was kind of astounded, right? Because in a lot of ways, right, it proved their point that there was um, an oracular system that they could get in touch with. And the oracular system was saying, don't fuck around. Don't be stupid kids. I don't know what the situation was. Wasn't clear on that. Um, so then after dinner, I hung out with Daniel Ash, who's the lead singer. By the way, Daniel's a rock star, right? Like certain people have that rock star vibe. Daniel had the rock star vibe. Total rock star vibe. He, he was a nice guy. I thought he was, he was, you know, he was cool to me. Um, he just come back from a motorcycle trip from Big Sur I, with a woman. I don't think it was his girlfriend, right? It was his companion for the trip. So we wind up going to this club after dinner and we walk in the front door. So it's me, Daniel Ash, uh, this woman and some people from the magazine I was working at. And as we walk into the club, that song ball of confusion is playing as we walk in the place. It's a, a kind of a, I think a dance remix of the song and the place is kind of losing its mind in the song. There's a woman on stage and she's kind of doing a, a you know, kind of a go-go thing. Right. And it was, it was a complete LA sync moment. Walk in and I'm with the guy that's singing the song. It was really, really weird. It was really weird. So anyway, we went to the bar and, and Daniel bought a bottle of wine and we hung out. We talked. He's, he, I liked him. I thought he was a really cool dude. Um, he wasn't pretentious. He had a rock star vibe, right? You have in, in rock and roll, you have to have a little bit of charisma. You know, like, like Michael Hutchins was a rock star. Um, Daniel Ash. Rockstar Scott Wheeland, Stone Temple Pilots, whatever you think of Stone Temple Pilots, Scott Wheeland had a rock star vibe. Lane Staley, dark, but a rock star vibe. You know who doesn't have a rock star vibe? Dave Grohl. Yeah, I know. He's the lead singer and the guitarist and was in Nirvana. I don't think he's got a rock star vibe. I don't think Dave Grohl has charisma. He has energy, but he doesn't have charisma. And charisma and energy are two different things. You can be very charismatic and even not have energy in some ways. Like there's kind of the anti-rock star. Like Lou Reed had charisma, but he didn't have energy. You know, Lou Reed was always kind of at one you know, sort of tempo. And even with a hopped up versions of Sweet Jane and um, rock and roll, like in the live record, he's still kind of at that one tempo and pitch, but he had charisma. And then you could have a bunch of people who are jumping all over the stage and uh, make, make, making all kinds of gestures and energy. It's nice, but they may not have charisma. Stephen Piercy of Rat has charisma, right? There are certain people that have it, and Daniel Ash had it in spades. 
And I think he's doing electronic music or something now. He's kind of still in the game. Very interesting character. Um, and it's kind of a theme for the show today, Ball of Confusion. We're trying to find out, figure out what the hell's going on in the world as we get hit from so many different angles and sides and the fifth generational warfare uh, field that we're in right now. And fifth generational warfare is everything from psychological warfare to um, kind of postmodern and post-industrial um, asymmetric tactics like flooding countries with quote-unquote refugees. Oh, by the way, hot off the press, Nicholas Sturgeon, who is the PM of Scotland, has stepped down. Isn't that interesting? So now we have another one of these um, PMs who are just absolute fucking tyrants stepping down. Interesting. By the way, I think Nicola Sturgeon's um, gender identification is a, a very interesting discussion. Let's put it that way. So who knows what's going to happen with Scotland now, but she was terrible. They're all terrible. There's, there's not really um, one redeeming character at a high level on the global stage. Not, not really one. A lot of people like to champion Putin. Come on now. Russia was in lockstep with the World Health Organization and the WEF, and they did everything that they were told. Now, of course, they, they developed their own vax which you know i don't know i don't know if it was helpful maybe i don't know but they were sure adamant that you had to take their vax and you had to mask up you do everything else that everybody else did the only people they didn't do was our friends in belarus but well now they've been subsumed by russia so that's a that's a whole other discussion and debate Russia is in the process of uh, creating one of the largest cricket manufacturing plants on the planet. What does that tell you? Are they going to sell it to the Europeans? Hey, look, we've got your future diet. Maybe. I... So when people say, oh, Putin, he's the great white hope. Yeah, you better, you better slow that roll. I'm still not convinced. Not convinced at all. So we're not really going to have any real representation on the global stage, but, or even, I mean, even the national stage, although Thomas Massey is kind of interesting. I will say that about Thomas Massey. If there's anybody that looks like that they actually might be the voice of the people, the Vox Populi, it might be Thomas Massey. And some of the uh, things that he's talking about and even suggesting to do, some of these bills are pretty interesting, whether they get passed or not, who knows. But um, yeah, we're in this place of uh, fifth generation warfare, asymmetrical tactics. We have trains derailing. We have uh, this absolutely killer toxins being released into the air, into the groundwater, poisoning the land. What do you think that's going to do? You know, that's, that's going to, uh, force people off the land. Oh, well, I mean, you, if you, if you really want to attack the country, 
you just dump a bunch of highly toxic chemicals into the air and more importantly, into the groundwater supply. And now there's talk that, you know, the benzene and the polyhydrochloride and all the other chemicals that were on that train are now leaching into the Mississippi River. Oh, my God. And we're just a little over a year away from the next great American eclipse, which really kind of moves straight along the, the Mississippi River and the New Madrid Fault. I wonder if the Mississippi River will turn red during that, uh, that blood red eclipse in the sign of Aries. So we're dealing with a ball of confusion. And today, hopefully, we'll do our best to untangle some of the knots in the ball of confusion. So welcome to the show. Uh, in the background here, we have New York from the 1970s. We're time traveling a bit today. I don't know why I picked this. So we have Suntory Royal Whiskey in the background. Right beneath it, Coca-Cola, Suntory being a Japanese whiskey. I think they also have what their version of vodka and beer. Um, and then we have Sony in the background. Uh, and hopefully Sony's in chat today. Uh, and then below the Coca-Cola sign, looks like it's 1.40 in the afternoon. Castic. I don't know what that is. Looks like Castic, right? And then over here, we have Panasonic in uh, an advertisement for the uh, Broadway play, the hit Broadway play, Annie. Which, of course, got restaged and refilmed, uh, but uh, with a very different cast. Let's put it that way. And then here, we also have all this Detroit steel even though the 70s produced some really shitty Detroit cars. And look how crowded that street is. That's just like, you know, anarchy on the streets of New York. What else is there? Anything else? Did I leave anything out? I think that's it. All right. Let's uh, talk a little bit about our sponsor for the show. If you're coming over from Astral Weather, thank you for being here. And um, welcome. So, of course, uh, I talk about True Hemp Science and their wonderful products. I had a little bit of moon dust in my coffee today. Full disclosure. And um, I always like a little bit of moon dust in my coffee. That works for me. So at the uh, end of Astro Weather, I talk about True Hemp Science. But here on 15 Minutes of Flame, it's uh, right at the beginning of the show. And I am going to use Chris's formula for the uh, biosilica. I just have to go into town and get some distilled water, which I do not have, so I can actually avail myself of his elixir, as they say. So True Hemp Science, that's where you want to go for some of the best organically sourced 
CBD, there's oils, edibles, water soluble, there's CBD for your pets. Uh, and again, you know, I can't speak highly enough for the gummies. And let me tell you how good these gummies are. Because prior to uh, reconnecting with Chris and being and ha having him have this sponsor relationship with the show, I had gone to the uh, health food store in town and I bought some caplets um Gaia it was like a Gaia CBD and they're kind of mixture with um you know the usual suspects kind of stuff a, a little uh so, you know, a melatonin um you know the the relaxing kinds of uh supplements that you put into stuff like that and it was okay it was it was expensive it was the least expensive of their CBD sleep supplements and it was okay and then I went down the road because there's a, a CBD place down the road here in uh, uh, Stonewall. And I got some from the woman who runs the place. Super nice woman. Got a little storefront there. I go in and support her every now and then. I think I bought a topical from her one time. And so I tried her, her, uh, her gummies. And they were good. But then I had Chris's gummies. So I had, I had some comparison on the gummy front. And there's no comparison. This is the best stuff. Right. So I take it a half an hour before bed. Sometimes I'll supplement with a yellow kratom. And that's it. Right. I wake up in the morning. I'm refreshed. If I go to bed before midnight, um, I have a really good chance of catching the good sleep wave and uh, waking up uh, right around 5.50, 6 a.m., start my day jump into the coffee with a little bit of the moon dust and uh, crank it up all over again. Right. So if you go to truehempscience.com forward slash uh, ref forward slash 23, spend a hundred dollars, type in one five M I N S and you will get free product. $150 or more and you get free shipping. Okay. So um, just a little house cleaning here. I wouldn't really call it house cleaning, but uh, keeping people up to date. So I had about a, a half hour, 45 uh, minute conversation last night with um, Queen Lisa. And she kind of filled me in a little bit more on uh, Pat's passing, what happened to him and uh, kind of where she's at. She's actually doing remarkably well. She has a tremendous amount of support, a tremendous amount of support. Um, and she's, you know, what's interesting and is that, and everybody's different, right? We're, we're all different. We all have different degrees of being able to do certain things, not do certain things, embrace certain things, reject. We're, you know, this is the one thing about humanity that makes humanity really interesting. In as much as we can come up with, say, nine archetypes that show up in the Enneagram or 12 signs or, you know, the five types in human design, we're all vastly different. And some people um, do better when they're in their cups, as they say, in being alone and having to deal with those things on a very personal, intense basis, right? Other people do better when they let other people in and have support. And clearly, Lisa's in that camp and she's able to take this support that is, um, has really been a, a remarkable uh, 
impact in her life. And she had no idea that it was coming in her direction. So she's doing reasonably well in the light of Pat's passing. And I'll share this with you. I want to actually have Lisa on the show at some point, because there's another part of her that is seething with anger over the fact that it looks like uh, that ran into an occupational hazard in terms, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I want to be able to, you know, have a discussion with Lisa about this when she's ready to have it. But the one thing that was remarkable and really um, showed her, showed itself to Lisa is the amount of goodwill that Pat had sown. Like there were people in town and there are other health practitioners in town where they live and they all have come out to help and support Lisa. And it's because Pat has been banking all of this goodwill. This is important, right? This is an important lesson because your um, actions and your deeds in many ways do not go unnoticed or um, evaporate in the heat of our experience, these things are real, right? Like you can bank goodwill. You can bank things like cooperation and support. And it's clear um, that Pat had that in, you know, uh, in abundance. And it's because of, you know, this is a guy that didn't take any days off. And he was always there to help people, always there to help people. So now this rush of support and goodwill, and there's more to this story. And I don't want to share too much about it because there are some moving pieces that still need to be completed. And I hope for Lisa um, and the community's uh, future and, and, and their, their own evolution, that some of these things come to fruition. But it's a great story that is emerging out of personal tragedy. And I, I was blown away by the conversation last night. Uh, and I, I don't want to get into too many of the details. And I, and I just, I just, you know, at some point I just want it all to bake and then we'll bring Lisa. She said she'd come on the show, but it's going to be a while for some things to come to fruition and pass. And she's got a lot to process particularly her rage. So we'll bring her on when it's, when it's time. And um, the story is incredibly inspiring. And one of the things that I will say is that it reaffirms the humanity of our experience. You know, we get so many reflections of uh, how the world is shattering and, you know, how we're dealing with the worst parts of humanity. And some of that is true. But there are stories where our humanity and our divinity is affirmed. And this, it, this is developing to be one of them. So I'm going to leave that aside. And I just wanted to give you an update that Lisa is doing remarkably well in the wake of Pat's passing. And she has some challenges ahead of her. 
but it feels to me like she's got enough people in her corner to be able to meet those challenges. And also she has a, a, a pretty uh, feisty spirit. That's the other thing. So anyway, just a little bit of an update there. Jasper, the astrological cat is in, in the house. He's right next to me. He's in the uh, furry, the furry crown, the throne. How you doing over there, buddy? He's just taking the morning off. All right. We had a lot to talk about, a lot to cover. Uh, let me tarry no further and check in with y'all. Y'all. Run, 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 but you just can't hide. All right. Who do we have? There he is, my man, Michael. What's going on, brother? Good morning. Double K, Catherine Kramer. Thomas Jordan. What's going on, TJ? Hey, look who's here with us. Maria Deange. Deange from Nice, France. I spent a nice in Nice. And it was nice. I like Nice. But I know you have your own challenges uh, in your own way with the French government and immigration and all that other stuff. But um, you live in a beautiful part of the world. Welcome, Maria. Glad you're here. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Mary Esther. Hey, you're ahead of time. I was on time today, I think. Snake Pliskin, currently planning to escape from Earth, might go to uh, Remulon to live with the cone has. You know what's interesting about that? I've been seeing these uh, memes show up, and it's kind of moving into you know, the uh, public discourse. You know, beyond the ice wall, right? Beyond the beyond the ice wall, where theoretically these other continents lie. Like that's our destination to get out of this polluted and toxified area of the realm. And to occupy these other lands. Because there's nowhere to go now, theoretically, at least that we know about. So, Snake, I think you're on to something. Uh, Miss Nakia, good morning to you. SP Dimples showing up. Good morning to you. Uh, Sony's here. There she is. Hucklebuck411, user 13, checking in. Uh, Kelly B., our resident millennial, the lovely Kelly B. Lyle Coyote, good morning, Chernobyl, Ohio. What's going on, brother? Good to see you. There she is, the fantastic one. Fran, CC Jones, the Marburg virus is back. And we'll just put, bring that out of circulation. Of course, we know that Boris Johnson's father wrote the novel about the Marburg. That's also like, yeah. Incestuous. Rocky's here. What's going on, Rocky? We didn't start the fire yet, but we got to put it out. Double B, Beth Berry. She's checking in. Double F, think of Feliz. They put the Marburg in the shots. Let's hope they haven't aerosolized Marburg. 
Um, oh, sorry to hear about that, Lynn. Yeah, the whole freezer thing. You either got to have a backup or you got to have solar. You got to keep those things online. User 13, love and rockets. I love them. Earth, Sun, Moon, I think is one of the greatest albums of the 20th century. It is that sweet spot between the Beatles and Pink Floyd. Love Earth, Sun, Moon. Cremo, what's going on, Christine? Yes, we all, Lynn, that's a challenge. Hope you sort it out. I look at SP Dimples. Robert kills it with the song again. Thank you, SP. Uh, Leela LMM. Morning back to you, precious human. Harriet Bowie. Hi, Harriet. Half those bands seem to be into the occult. Well, it's Neptune and Scorpio. It's the generation, right? Occult, goth, drugs, psychic phenomenon. It's all part of the Neptune and Scorpio brew. Liking the retro, uh, retro backdrop. Thanks, Tom. Lisa W is here. Hi, Lisa. What's shaking? Crossfire cat. Love these stories. That's the great thing about getting new people. I can, I can repeat some of these stories. That was a really interesting night. I have to say there's another part of the story that I don't want to talk about. And I've talked about it before. It goes into very David Lynchian territory. Like just the, it's LA, it's Lynchian. And I'll respect David, uh, Daniel Ash. It was a great night, fun night, hell of a night. Love STP. Stone Temple Pilots are underrated. They get, Stone Temple Pilots get trashed. I think they were a really great band. Um, one AI, February is sync month. It sure as hell is, isn't it? Lane Steely was dark. I trade Eddie Letter for Scott Lane and Chris Cornell. Hands down. Oh, my God. I never liked Eddie Vedder. Ugh. I have an Eddie Vedder story. You guys want to hear it? It's, it didn't happen to me. But it happened to a client of mine. So this client of mine, beautiful. This is a person I've met in person, right? Beautiful. Statuesque. Could have been a model easily. Easily. Athletic, right? And uh, she has Venus on her midheaven. Anytime you're a Venus, woman with Venus on the midheaven, especially on the ninth house side of the midheaven, you will get noticed. For better or worse, you'll get noticed. So she's uh, living in uh, Europe, and her boyfriend is from Poland. And they're in London and they're at this uh, hotel and uh, her boyfriend and her boyfriend's brother are using the men's room at this hotel. Parents, a nice hotel. Maybe they're going to the bar or something. I don't know what the, the context of the hotel is, but that's where they are. And she's in the lobby waiting. Of course she stands out. 
Venus on the Midheaven, she looks like a freaking supermodel. And this guy walks up to her. And it's Eddie Vetter, right? And he's got his bodyguards. And he starts chatting her up and giving her guitar picks because he notices her, right? And um, this is really funny. So her boyfriend and the brother come out of the bathroom. Now, keep in mind, they're from Poland. And they don't, you know, they grew up in a period where Poland didn't play Pearl Jam. Let's put it that way. They did not know who Eddie Vedder was. They didn't know who he was. So they walk up and like, who's this guy talking to my girlfriend? And uh, they say, hey, what's going on here? Right. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, man. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, Eddie. I'm Eddie. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Eddie Vetter. So <laughs> it's like it didn't work. You know, she knew who he was. Right. But that must have been a weird ego moment because you think that, you know, I remember this one story about OJ Simpson who was in Paris and he was so pissed off that nobody recognized him. Right. Nobody recognized the juice in Paris. Um, it upset him to no end. It's got to be weird because if you're a celebrity, you're almost always banking on people recognizing, you know, and if I saw Eddie Vedder, I'd know who he was. But these these two guys from Poland who were out of out of uh, touch with Pearl Jam didn't know who the fuck he was. Like, that's an ego moment, right? Because he's trying to impress the guy's girlfriend, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, so? <laughs> anyway, there's your Eddie Vedder story. Iggy Pop is a rock. Iggy Pop has, he's charisma. Iggy Pop is danger. Let's see. Don Hart is here. Morning, Don. Um, yeah, Iggy Pop is danger. Timothy Hartfeld, good morning. I picked the worst year to uh, buy the epic ski pass in Pennsylvania. It allowed 66 degree high weather today. I've actually skied in Pennsylvania a long time ago. Um, C Pines, the ghoul admin is about to restrict state-to-state -state transport of chicks. Amazingly, they have H1N1 jab at the ready. It's touching how much they care about us. I love your sarcasm. Love your sarcasm. Iggy was a roller coaster with no brakes. If you, want, if you ever want a um, good read, it's not that long. It's highly entertaining. Read his autobiography, I Need More. It gives you some insight, deep insight into Iggy Pop, how he grew up, influences in his life. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Uh, Hawkins was more of a rock star than Grohl. I would agree with that. Grohl seems like a likable nerd. Diddy Yo-Yo, good morning, mayor of Toronto. Just stepped down, got caught in cheating scandal with staffers. Still don't trust what they will present next. They've got an assembly line of uh, turtles on the fence post. Time for a haddock. Yum. Caviar to crickets. 
that just about says it, doesn't it? Erica E's a little late, but she's here. Welcome. Food worries about Russia concerning how they've been treated. I doubt they care. They, well, they don't care about. Well, what's interesting, this is what I've heard, is that um, Putin doesn't have a beef with the American people. That's what I've heard. He has a beef with the West, and he does care about Russians. But on the other hand, you have to, you, you cannot deny the fact that he has been in lockstep with the WEF and their protocols. He didn't say no, right? He didn't say no. Maybe that's part of the chameleon-esque um, character of Putin with the son and Libra in the 12th house. I don't trust him. I don't trust him for the same reasons that the so-called left or the, the pushers of uh, Zelensky and the Ukraine oppression and the freedom fighters don't trust him. I just don't, I don't trust anybody really at that level. So that's where I'm at. Um, very gross, thick black clouds covering sky in Michigan, Detroit area now. Smells like chemicals. Ugh. Ugh. Scrubbies is here. What's going on, Tamara? Good to see you. Uh-oh. Erica E's near, the, uh, she's in Ohio near the river. Ordered home delivery spring water today. Where are you getting your spring water from? That's the next question, right? Oh, boy. Hmm. Here we go. Leela LMM. I was in Pennsylvania, Ohio, from the 4th to the 10th. As close as 40 minutes away from East Palestine. My mom lives north about 35 minutes from the crash. Wow. D. Woolsey. Hi, D. Woolsey. Let's see anybody else. Uh, good point. The Chinese will not like the fact that they are poisoning the land. Now they will not be able to use it. Definitely a scorched earth policy. That's interesting. Lori Camacho. Hey, what's happening, Lori? Checking in from Lowe's. The queen of Lowe's. Let's see who else do we have. Anybody else? Anybody new? I think I gave everybody their, their props and their morning dues. Did I say hi to Hucklebuck? If not, hi, Hucklebuck. I think we're caught up. Oh, Equicentric is here. Coming up with the anagram for Ball of Confusion, Oil Clan Buffoons. I like that. Jelena. Moonsprout and Jelena. Jelena. What's going on, Jelena? Good to see you here. Thor at the door. Steve checking in. See anybody else going once, going twice, going three times. Pam Jerome from Northern Michigan. I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. So let's, uh, 
let's talk about this whole idea of fifth generation warfare, which we all seem to be under the asymmetrical attack on human consciousness and um, our spiritual divine and human nature all rolled into one. And yesterday I talked about uh, this whole idea of planned and intentional systems collapse. And we talked about the end of empire. And this is what happens when you reach the apex of something, right? You know, we're, we're, we're at that point in the roller coaster, you know, the click, 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 and we're about ready to go like this. And the ride down is exhilarating and free fall, but it's also terrifying. Right, so we're we're about ready to hit that top of the peak, and come right down into this free fall, this um, tense gravitational velocity, right, which is kind of where we're headed. By the way, have you ever seen any of those videos on YouTube where they have this thing called the slingshot? You ever see those videos because they they videotape these people in their little slingshot cars? Have you ever seen them? They're all over YouTube, and people pass out on this thing called the slingshot and i'll tell you who passes out because i've studied these videos it's the people who are the most afraid the people who are the most afraid and have all the cortisol and all the adrenaline going up in their system they're the ones that pass out the ones who are kind of into it and laughing they don't pass out it's a very interesting kind of study in how people deal with terror and trauma Anyway, I was talking about um, systems collapse and planned, planned obsolescence yesterday and how a lot of this is intentional. So there's a lot of different ways to game the system, right? You know, people can say, well, they set a charge on the wheel, on the train. That's possible, by the way. It's totally possible. But there's another way to be able to um, break the system. And the legacy systems and the legacy workers that were part of the system and have been talking about this for a while have been phased out. They've been, fa they've been phased out. And when we went into uh, the COVID lockdown, that's what happened, right? It's like, okay, so again, if you're a corporation, what do you want to do? You want to save money, right? You want to cut back and you want to get more out of your workforce and have, a lesser, have, have less bodies to account for the workforce. This was one of the strategies of COVID-19. And that, yeah, their service might suffer, their products might suffer, but they get bailed out. You know, they had the COVID relief, right? They had all this, um, you know, PP, was it uh, the private protection, uh, the, the, the program, right? I always get PPP and PPE. But what's weird is that they're kind of a name conversation. Right. So these companies get bailed out. 
lots of money. Trump was just shooting it out there. So they don't necessarily have to count on being profitable. They're being, they're being supplemented, right? So then they have people that will drop off. No, I don't want that. You can't make me get, oh, yes, you have to get it. And so this debate rages, right? It goes on and on and on. People fight it, the religious exemption. There's the no. You got to do it, right? No support. You know, just go back and look at those nurses in San Diego. These are nurses in San Diego. They said, no, we're not going to do it. And not just nurses, there, there were doctors on their side. They file a suit against the hospital in San Diego. And what does your judge say? You have no standing. You have no standing. I'm not going to recognize your case. Not an uncommon tactic, right? We saw a lot of no standings in the wake of what happened in November of 20, uh, 2020. No standing. You got no standing. Can't hear it. Disqualified. So what do people do? What did they do? They quit. They chose their health, their well-being over security. And some were able to make a transition. Most people were able to do this. Some couldn't do it. Some got caught in the net, right? What happens? You have a bunch of really, because that's not to say that there aren't competent people who have been inoculated. I'm going to start to use the word inoculate versus vaccinate. I think inoculation is probably a better term. So it's not to say that there aren't competent people who were inoculated, but I would bet that the most competent people were the ones that were not inoculated. I, I, you know, I don't know if I don't have a lot in reserve, but I'd bet on that. And if there is a way to figure that out and sort that out, I, I bet you I would win that bet. So there's there's a correlation here. With people that have said, no, no, I'm not going to do this. It violates my principles. That's an important piece, right? Because if you have the violation of a principle, it means that person has principles. And those principles will transfer more than likely into the workplace. That they won't do things that are going to um, besmirch their character, their name, their performance, their legacy. You know, people's names are tied to their work, right? That's how we understand the nature of our character. That's why work is important. And so they're not going to violate their principles. Those principles are transferable. I guarantee you. So now you have a workforce that is compromised. Think about that for a second. They are compromised. Mostly their, their immunity is compromised. And maybe, maybe just maybe, their ability to carry out work with principle has been compromised as well. Now, look, there are people that listen to this stream that have been inoculated. And, you know, we always, always, you know, hold space for people who are struggling, right? And didn't have a lot of options. 
So I'm not here to do a blanket condemnation. I'm just looking at the, um, the analysis of the principle. And that people that don't compromise are people that are, in today's world, less employable. Think about that. They're less employable. So now you have these non-compromised individuals that are out of the workforce. Includes the military, by the way. Now you have these systems that are at risk. We're, we're seeing it all over the place. We saw it with Southwest Airlines. I think there was another airline yesterday that went down for a while. You know, Amtrak went down. Remember that, too. That's an important thing. There was Amtrak went down about, was it two weeks ago? And it had to do with some of the communication and scheduling and the things that are, are associated with that, that went down, right? So we were seeing, you know, this systems collapse because the people that were part of the legacy systems aren't there and their replacements are, they're green, they're not qualified. And guess what? They're compromised. And so I think it might've been Joan who sent me a video um, and it was this woman and she was talking about the exact same thing that I was talking about and I have been talking about. And she was at an airport and these guys were working on this elevator and they were working on this elevator all day. So elevator technology is very specific and it's, you know, fairly complicated. Like you got to know what the fuck is going on with elevators. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And guess what? A lot of the elevator mechanics and techs, they're cycling out. Think about that. The next time you get into an elevator, you may want to take the stairs. Just saying. So in the light of all this, somebody sent me an email yesterday, which is very interesting. And it speaks to what I'm talking about and have been talking about. So let me, uh, let me bring this up. I'm going to read it to you. I'm not, I can't divulge any names, but I'm going to read it to you. I sent it to Tom yesterday. This is what the uh, listener sent. I have a friend whose husband used to work for Norfolk Southern as an engineer. That's the railroad we're talking about. Designing rail lines, projects, etc. Now, I'm going to say something here, which is more than likely going to be interpreted as politically incorrect and in some minds and ears and uh, tainted hearts, even racist. He's a Gen X white guy who was pushed out to cut costs and add diversity. Let me read that back to you. He's a Gen X white guy who was pushed out to cut costs and add diversity. 
his replacements were a few BIPOC millennials just out of school. He has a hard time finding another job. There's a transportation agency in the city that they live in, in the South, which I'm not going to name. Is not hiring his demo. So he hangs out and rethinks his options. They can afford him taking the time off. So, you know, through savings, whatever they've done, he doesn't have to push to find a new gig. But the, the equivalent in the area that they're living in, nope, not hiring. Fast forward, he gets an offer from a consulting company working with, drum roll please, Norfolk Southern. He's doing the same work for more money, picking up the slack for his old team. Why? Because they can't handle the workload, the job, the technology. They have to bring him back for more money. He quits not even a year into it because they wanted him to sign his name to some bad, unsafe designs, and he refused until they made the designs right. He was not putting his name to it. Now, I don't know if they made the designs right, but that's exactly what I'm talking about in a nutshell, right? Exactly what I'm talking about. There's your third-person account of what happened to somebody in that company. By the way, if you look on the board of directors and, and who owns that company, you'll find the usual suspects, BlackRock right at the top of the list. I think Vanguard's in there, you know, the usual players, right? But it would be very hard to not turn and bump into a company that BlackRock has either a controlling share or a large minority share in that company. That's how diversified BlackRock are. I haven't done it, but I'm sure if I wanted to, I could go into, uh, you know, the uh, Burlington Northern or Southern Pacific or any of these other railways, and I bet you I would find BlackRock in there. To what degree, I don't know, but I'm sure they're in there. This is just how they roll, right? So that's what I'm talking about. I mean, the, so when we look at something like this, what are they doing? You know, they're, they're essentially farming chaos. They're farming chaos. They're, they're, they're farming this idea of when systems collapse, they can pounce on that. And then they, they can um, hyper-accelerate it. You know, this goes back to this whole thing with Turkey. By the way, apparently, the day before the earthquake, uh, a number of countries told their people to get out of Turkey. Gee, I wonder why. So perhaps there is a, an earthquake cycle that is part of Turkey's history. And... Did they amp it? Did they, uh, you know, turn the volume up on it? Well, that's a metaphor for events like this. Because throughout the system, 
you know, it goes back to, um, I remember there was this, uh, was he, was he Sudanese or Ethiopian or Eritrean, the Eritrean cop in Minnesota that, that shot the woman who was a, uh, a naturopath. Remember that? was an interesting moment, terrible moment. I don't know whatever happened to that guy, but that's where you kind of bake in these, um, these radical variables to the system so that there can be chaos in out of what? Ordo ab chow, out of chaos order. And so if they have enough chaos, then they could assert more order. So we see all this chaos now in our environment, and some of it is baked into the system. Shit's going to happen. Shit's going to break down. People can't carry their weight. They can't carry their load. They're incompetent. But look at all the mayors across the country. Incompetent. That's all by design. They're not supposed to be competent. The whole idea is to fester a, um, a, a kind of a, a boil of incompetence, right? So that some third party can come in and say, well, we'll run the show now. You guys are completely incapable of it. Thanks a lot, but, you know, you can't run a country. We'll run it. Whatever that is, the United Nations, the North American Union, who knows, right? But that's the whole idea here is to show the world that this country is malfeasant. This country is uh, toxic. This country is incapable of running systems. Well, it's true because of who the people they put in to run the damn systems. That's all by design. Look at your cities. Look at your democratic cities. All by design. It's not a good look. It's not a good look for the country. It's not a good look for humanity in general. It's terrible. And I've brought this up before. Do you think China would tolerate what happens on the streets of San Francisco? Hell to the no. So when we look at the great conspiracy, the shooter on the grassy knoll, right? The magic bullet. The, uh, the dancing movers celebrating the fall of the Twin Towers, right? All these things, the smoking guns that are clearly there. Here we have a smoking wheel in Palestine, Ohio. The activation of things like harp, you know, whatever they are, right? It's like the, the, the strange cloud formation over Turkey and Turkey's, um, you know, aggressive rhetoric towards Sweden. Erdogan playing both sides against the middle. All those things, right? They're all, they're all there. And they all point to kind of a grander conspiracy 
where the hidden hand has this influence on the daily affairs of man to make our worlds infinitely more difficult. A lot of that is true. But the other side of this is the fact that they have now figured out a way to break the systems. And they break the systems by phasing out capable people who have principles who won't be compromised, like that guy who said he was not going to sign off on that paper. I don't know for a fact whether or not he was vaxxed or not. I don't know. If I had to bet, I would say that this is this is the mindset, right? And so now they have a wave of compromised people in the system, and the system is going to collapse. It's going to break. It's going to have chaos. Yeah, can they, you know, ignite a wheel on a train, amplify it? Well, sure they can. But if you had competent people in the system, it wouldn't get that far. There would be oversight. There would be checks and balances, but because of the fact that they ran half of the a quarter of the competent workforce out of these critical and key positions, you're not going to have that. So it makes these things happen easier. So we're trying to look at this from a different perspective, right? Yeah. There's the guy on the grassy knoll. Yeah, you've got the dancing movers, right? Yeah, we've got um, the gelatin crew and B thing. And like, oh, well, what happened here? What about this? And, you know, the three tramps and all the things that lead into this idea that there is a, a conspiracy afoot to derail humanity, take the United States on all these things, right? And by the way, those things are not untrue. But we have to look at this from another level. And that level is, is that the people that are in charge of the systems that we've counted on and trusted are, are being evacuated. They're no longer there. And their replacements are poor substitutes. Bottom line, they don't know what to do. Um, in many cases, they're, they're political hires. You look at somebody like, the railroad company, you know that BlackRock, being that they're a major shareholder in that company, are running ESG scores. And that's part of it, right? These are the things that people don't really understand. And this is part of the fifth generational warfare is to remove the competent, remove the compromise, uncompromising, remove people that care to a group of people who just really aren't invested. So part of the American story is related to meritocracy. And some people might say, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. It's who you know. It's who you know. Oh, and if you weren't born, if you weren't born on third base, you don't stand a chance. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not entirely true. And I'll, I'll share why. My mother was born with a high school education. 
That's it. High school education. What did she have besides the high school education? She had a tremendous work ethic. I don't know where I, she must have inherited it genetically. She's the oldest um, of five kids. She was put into she was put into work early on. The second mother, right, having to deal with all these other kids, got no love from her own mother. That's another story. So she has a work ethic. She doesn't really have a plan. Well, I want to I want to get into fashion. She gets married, marries my father, has a job um, at uh, Fort Monmouth in New Jersey. We eventually moved to uh, California, and she winds up um, getting a job with the Navy on the civilian side. And she gets involved in uh, contracts and utilities. She was a contract and utility specialist. Remember, she's got a high school education. By the time she retires, I don't know, she's like a PS12 or, you know, one of these really high ranking um, levels for her, her group. And she's doing the same job that men who were born into, well, I would say relative um, opportunity who went to school and got engineering degrees. They had the same level position as my mother. And nobody gave her that job. Nobody. She worked her ass off and, you know, she was also a mother too. So she had to work at that, you know, and she retired at a very high level. She won awards. She had the respect of her peers. I would, I saw her get ground down at times because of the job. People who were her supervisor, who were put into the position that guess what they were not qualified for made her life hell because she was more qualified than they were. This is what happens, right? People like, who do I need to take out? Who can I blame for my own incompetence? This happens a lot. She survived it. She would come home at night. This is my twenties crying crying because of the undue pressure that some other incompetent person would put upon her. So in my mind, she achieved something that based on where she was born, the economic standards and situations she was born into, poor, they were poor. They had to go outside and shit right in a little you know little outhouse they didn't, they didn't even have indoor plumbing the way that we have today that's the world she grew up in no silver spoon nor no born on third base 
So that's part of the story here, right? And I know I'm not alone. I mean, there, I, I'm sure I could go through chat or anybody listening to the show and, and you would find, I would find stories about people who work their ass off. And guess what? It paid off for them. And you only appreciate things when you work for them. If they're handed to you, you don't appreciate them. Sorry, it's true. Maybe every now and then you get a little level up or a bump and you're so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think Lisa's kind of going through that. But by and large, if you don't work for it, you don't really appreciate it. I remember when I started to pay for my college education, I took a lot more interest in what I was doing. Like, man, I'm spending this money. I better get fucking something out of it. Right. So I did. Bringing it forward, if you're having positions handed to you because you fit the right demographic or you're um, on the right side of the score of the ESG ledger sheet, it's probably a pretty good chance that you're not always going to appreciate what you because you had something handed to you. And this is all, this is all part. Now we have entitlement. Now with people in these positions with entitlement, not only are they not always competent, but they're entitled at the same, it's the, it's the absolute worst combination. Incompetence and entitlement. And this is who we have running around now. So they're ensuring systems collapse, the collapse of these cities, right? Just take a look at these democratically run cities or cities that have police chiefs who fit a profile, right? It's all part of the plan. So when you move into that, you know, that, that theater of chaos, you can manage it any way you want. You don't need a shooter on the grassy knoll. All you need are incompetent people who are going to do what they're told by the people that brought them into these positions of power. And they don't care because they're going to be rewarded consistently for whatever it is they're doing and has nothing to do with competence. I just saw that the math scores in a certain part of the country, everybody, everybody was below grade level on their math scores. So they're breeding more incompetence, the new education, emotional, social learning. It has nothing to do with meritocracy. It has nothing to do with hard work. It has nothing to do with getting better. Those are all individualistic ideals and goals. And in the, you know, in the new era, the individual has to diminish, right? They have to identify with the uh, social setting. So th th when, we, when we look at fifth generational warfare, which is what really the topic of the show is today, um, we're really looking at another kind of wing of this thing which is the rise of incompetence. It's the promotion of people who are unqualified. And when that happens, there's a lot less of a chance that we have any orderly kind of um, 
day-to-day affairs with society. It's, it's, it's ju- it just happens that way. It happens that way. You're baking more chaos into the system. It's easy. Once you get chaos, you can just move it any way you want, right? So does the uh, wheel on the, the wheel that was recognized by the hot box on the train headed to East Palestine, does, does that hot wheel happen if there are more competent people a part of that company? I would say the answer to that is no, it doesn't happen. It's easy. Once you, once you get people in there who have less accountability, less standards, less willing to be compromised, they're more willing to be compromised. They're more willing to turn the other, you know, turn a blind eye into what looks like a problem if they can even see the problem. That's a real issue. And it's pervasive now. It's like red algae. It's like gotten into everything. Everything. Every little notch of our society, that incompetence and malfeasance has been promoted. A lot of it has to do with an agenda. Oh, yeah. We're diverse. Whatever that means. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, you just hired a bunch of fucking people that can't do their job. And not only do they can't do their job, but if something goes wrong, it's like, hey, country sucks anyway. Burn it down. Who cares? Do I get a bonus? That brings up a whole other question. Bad actors. Beyond turtles on the fence post, bad actors people that are actually brought into companies whose job is to sabotage things. You don't think that happens? Probably more so now than ever, thanks to COVID and dumping competent people out of the workforce, flushing them. All right. One of the things I wanted to do today, I want, you know, I want, sometimes I do these, uh, where's my phone? Where's my phone? right here sometimes i'd like to do phone calls and um today's one of those days we're going to call because i you know i have to study up on this because if i call somebody and i'm and i'm recording something and the laws say that both parties need to be aware that I'm making a call and recording it, then I can't really do that. But in this case, I can because I've actually looked the law. So we're going to call Governor Mike DeWine's office in Ohio. And we're going to see if there's a uh, any kind of public statement that they've made on this train crash. So let me, uh, let me find it here.
contact us. Well, I most certainly will. Let's see, you can get a phone number here. Uh, the governor's Northwest region, they have a Southern region, Southwest region. They got all these addresses for the governor here. What about a phone number? Give me a phone number. Let's see what happens. Thank you for contacting the Ohio Governor's Office. We are committed to assisting you in any way we can. Please leave your name, number, and a detailed message after the tone. Thank you. You cannot record a message for Ohio Governor's Office. This mailbox is full. There you go. They're not even taking any phone calls. You get put into uh, voicemail. And the voicemail, hey, Governor Ohio, your voicemail's full. Well, that's interesting in and of itself, right? Like they don't want to have anything to, because they know that people are trying to figure out if there's any public statement around any, I still haven't seen one. That was telling in and of itself. Let's see. Um, Oh, he's finally saying something now. Let's see. What, is he, what does he say? Oh, my God. Let me read this to you. After train derailment, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine says, I'm not seeing any problems. This dude's compromised. This dude is compromised. As thousands of residents of East Palestine, Ohio, struggle to find safe accommodation and tend to their alarming symptoms in the aftermath of the disastrous train derailment, Republican Governor Mike DeWine assured the public on Tuesday that he's not seen any problems. Yeah, he's not looking. DeWine said, in, in, uh, said this in response to a question, and whether he said he was satisfied with the Biden administration's response, DeWine contrasted himself from do-nothing Senator J.D. Vance, who complained rightly about the lack of uh, federal response. The Ohio governor said, while he spoke with President Biden who offered assistance, he felt that no further assistance was needed. Reporter, Senator Vance is on Fox, critical of the Biden administration. Are you satisfied with the Biden administration response? DeWine, the president called me. Oh, get out of here. 
president called me and, and said, anything you need, I will not hesitate to call him if we see a problem. But I'm not seeing it. Okay. That's a problem. Ohio, you got a problem on your hands. You got a deeply compromised governor who doesn't even want federal aid. Oh, I'm not seeing any problems. Um, if I were Mike DeWine, I'd be very, very circumspect about where I am and what I'm doing. There's going to be a lot of really pissed off people in Ohio. I'm going to add a little bit of time onto the show today because there are a couple of the things I wanted to talk about before we get out of here. I'm going to add 30 minutes. So I follow uh, Lewis CK on Twitter. Can I just tell you, um, how fucking disappointed I am in Lewis CK. So this is a guy who um, got canceled because he whipped out his weenie and started to uh, jerk off in front of somebody, a woman. And a lot of times when we get into the, you know, the cancel culture, the Me Too world, a lot of it can be really dubious. For instance, Michael Irvin, who used to play for the Dallas Cowboys, who is now suing a woman who's probably the bartender at the Marriott in Arizona and also the Marriott because he was accused of saying something and doing something that was um, misogynistic or, well, you know, turns out they got video and everything and he did nothing of the sort. And yet the NFL network sent him home because they didn't want any trouble during the Super Bowl. They didn't want any of their sponsors canceling because Michael Irvin was there. Michael Irvin did nothing wrong. Right. So this is an example of the whole B2 thing that can go completely tits up, as they say. Well, Louis C.K. more than likely did what he was accused of doing. If you ever watch his show on Fox, which or FX, which I thought was really funny, Turbation plays a really big role in Louis C.K.'s storylines. Just saying. So he uh, he's coming out of his kind of cancellation phase. He's on Joe Rogan, had a long interview, and really kind of an interesting interview with him. They both grew up in the same area at the same time. They have stories you know, the, of the town, right. 
Um, I think it was a Worcester or someplace like that. Anyway. Um, but on the show, he talks about, yeah, I think we should open up the borders and just let people come here because it'll, it'll make things messy. And that's the way it should be. And why should we, you know, have a uh, monopoly on comfort and the new thing? Well, okay, Louie, why don't you give up your nice little spread there in Manhattan? And uh, yeah, why don't you give that up? Why, why don't you, in fact, why don't you go live in a border town? Why don't you go live in like a place like uh, McAllen? How about that? See how that goes. So then he comes up with this idiotic statement yesterday because there was a shooter on the Michigan State campus. Now, first of all, the shooter does not fit the profile. And the shooter was using a, a pistol. So he's not the... Uh, lone white gunman right the lone wolf killer doesn't you know he doesn't fit that profile so here's what louis ck tweeted it's one of the most fucking idiotic things and this is a guy who's supposed to be smart if you need to cure, kill deer with an assault rifle you have other issues. If you think the government is going to take over, I don't think a few guns is going to stop tanks and jets. So get your head out of your asses and think about people's kids. Well, first of all, they didn't use an assault rifle. And people don't have assault rifles. Those are military-grade weapons. They don't have them. If you look at the caliber 223 for a AR-15. It's not a huge, right? The deer rifles are the ones that are going to be more powerful. You know, you get your uh, 300 mags or you get uh, .30-06. Those are big caliber bullets. Those are deer rifles. Could you hunt with an AR-15? It's it's not recommended. You could, but you better be a damn good shot because you don't want to wound the deer and have the deer running around wounded. Like that's against the ethos of hunting. But of course, Louis C.K. wouldn't understand that. And clearly he doesn't understand the fact that the guy used a pistol and his Twitter feed got lit up. Now he's doubling down. I mean, this is just fucking ridiculous. Looks like I hit a nerve or two. Let's try another. If Jesus were alive, I'm sure he would want open carry laws and everyone to walk around with error 15s for self-defense. Oh, so now the more religious high ground because he believes that a lot of the gun owners were also Christians. You, you know, it's like, what is going on here with this dude? Is this part of his uh, road to redemption? Is, is this how he redeems his cancellation? 
I certainly don't remember him taking this tack before, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. It's just fucking ridiculous. But maybe we could live in a world where people are kind to each other and can make fun of each other for any reason, like the good old days. Sorry, Louie, the good old days are over. The good old days are over. It's not, it's not working that way. Can't. Make fun of each other? Well, that's a really broad generalization. At whose expense? And, you know, your version of making fun of somebody, somebody else might take to be offensive. Oh, the good old days. We could josh around to tell dick jokes about each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, humor often comes at somebody else's expense now. The guy is clearly out of touch. He's he, he's either out of touch, lost, confused, or he's he. This is what he has to do in order to get back in the game. Just bizarre, utterly bizarre. I tried to think about something funny that I could say about it, but I I really can't. It's when somebody who is funny and is paid to be funny becomes in a lot of ways, painfully tragic. But the left, the left, oh, thank you. You want to hang out with those guys, Louie? Try, try to, try to, you know, poke fun at somebody in that world. The side that you're trying to poke the bear with, they'll allow you to do that. They'll allow you to make those kinds of jokes. The other side has such thin skin that they'll just fucking cancel you again. Some people never learn. Okay. I really wanted to talk to the Mike DeWine. The guy, the guy doesn't see that there's any problem. People in Ohio, you're you're in trouble. You got and by the way, it's not just people in Ohio, people that are downstream. And Mike DeWine is supposed to be a Republican governor, right? Oh, boy. See how that's playing out? Wow. All right. We'll be back here tomorrow. And um, I don't want to just leave you on a downer. I hate leaving you on a downer. I wish I could find something that I could. I should have saved the Lisa story to the end. Because that's really the good story. I kind of wanted to get it out of the way in the beginning to talk about it, but that's really the good story. So if you're just coming in, I just want to recap that um, Lisa, she's the widow of King Pat now. The queen is now widowed, and she is um, kind of bathing in a pool of support. And um, the community, and again, I can't wait to bring her on the show because the story, if it plays out the way that it's headed, it's really interesting. And at the very least now, she's understanding how much her husband's life touched other people. And the community is coming out and, and really um, assisting her, right, in the wake of dramatically and, and um, you know, almost overnight losing her husband. That's a good story. That's an affirmation with the humanity and the divinity with which we live. All right.
Thanks for being here. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. I'll be on with Giuseppe tonight over on Giuseppe's uh, show channel. Giuseppe Vavafinko. Always love hanging out with Giuseppe. So I'll be there tonight. That's it. Thanks for being here. Bye for now.